0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Planet Vista podcast. Tonight, Abo and I are joined by an esteemed guest, Pilani Jamini, a young intellectual and political analyst. We hope you
1: enjoy tonight's conversation.
2: You've heard our story. What's your story?
1: (sighs) Man, sometimes I don't know where to sort of start this. I really, really guess that the main... The main sort of answer for that really starts from looking at um, Zim's, Zim's whole political setup and also how I grew up. So Zim's political time at the time that we were like seven, eight, nine, Zimbabwe was going through a lot politically. Uh, Robert Mugabe was just starting the land reform. More veterans were having new issues that was the heat of the moment that's me at eight or nine and I remember specifically my grandfather used to and I'm always trying to explain like people always ask me how do you know so much and how do you how do you maintain a lot of information on a lot of subjects on a lot of places all at the same time and it's really simple because my grandfather was just so into what's happening with the news part of that was worrying about the state of the economy What's happening with Robert Mugabe? What's happening with ZANU PF, MDC? You know, like in two thousand was when was when there was the first sort of uh, you know opposition party that was really taking on the the ruling party and getting a significant amount of votes. So my grandfather had that you know that motivation to be watching the news, and it was known that from half past seven until half past nine, Kulu is on his tip, and mm-hmm. at that time. We didn't have DSTV at our grandparents' place because he didn't know much about DSTV. And when he finally got DSTV, I must have been like 13, 14. Then he said that way, Zimbabwe Broadcasting Corporation is the only network. Then he Mm -hmm. was tuning on to SABC News, BBC, CNN. And my grandfather was an English literature teacher all, all through life, so... For him, he learned English early is reading newspapers. So news is something very important. So we said the thing that because he was now retired, it meant a school okay. okay, so yeah, so <clears throat> so so basically, you know, um, with all of that interaction with like uh, news websites and. Uh, platforms i started to see a lane of information which really had to with things happening in secret you know like you would have i think i think it was the first russian poison in the uk yeah. um, a long a long time before the Khashoggi's some people who had sort of left the russian spy agency and i started to have an interest that you know um what, a, what sort of impact do do all of these secret spy agencies have on politics, you know? Yeah. Uh, because we look at politics and we're thinking that it's, it's the president and everything, but I've, I've just it's, seen it's, an instance where someone had, yeah? Where, or, w- 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 where like someone had like intense secrets enough for them to actually end their life in a very yeah. open way it's like so i'm like so these secrets obviously have a bearing on what's happening in the political events so it can't yeah. end at just looking at those sort of people so I started asking questions and there's people who I, look was,
0: into... I was going to say that um it's interesting how we know that politics are a shady business and yet we have this view of them like it's almost transparent like As much as people can say oh you know this election was rigged or or that like especially when you look at uh western elections it's not even it's not even about the election period it's about like the way we conceptualize the the election process we 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 sort of romanticize it and we look at it like it's a transparent affair but it's very much not i mean even the, the idea of the only kind of tampering that could happen is like oh voter fraud or they were stuffing the ballots like it, it, that's such a childish way of tampering that's such a, a, a an honest and direct way of cheating you know what i'm saying we we still have this romanticized view of it and i think that's a very interesting thing
2: i was actually i was actually going to gonna pose a question to both of you gentlemen that what role play within the tempering of elections? Because surely, you've got all these different, like you said, Al Jazeera, B. A lot of these, while at least today, uh, have kind of an echo chamber like uh, a, a structure to them where the news could be the same news, but it's all reported differently From different point of views and perspectives.
3: Mm. So,
2: when it comes to the media, I found it interesting when you talked about how your grandfather, uh, 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 Pilani, how your grandfather was uh, uh, kind of consuming all these different news outlets. What was his perspective on what were the were they all the same, all correct, all saying the same thing, or is it is is that part of the whole? let's say the social political uh, machine to to have all these different echo chambers, BBC, this, SABC, Al Jazeera, you know, uh, CNN, you know, I actually, I, 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 when you said that, I I wanted to ask that question almost directly, but I don't want to cut
1: you. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no, no. It's a, It's a very good question because, of course, when I was much younger, I used to get frustrated with him that, you know, like, damn, we're going through all of these. And I guess the explanation that he sort of had, because a lot of people would also get frustrated, was was that, you know, these media agencies, they don't live in a vacuum as much as they present to you that we're giving you the most authentic. And, of course, they have a lot riding on not giving biased reviews hmm. but they are steeped in the environment in which they are and whoever funds the organization or manages the organization there's ways in which that's going to trickle in or even if it's just a reporter and the value system of where they're from and the, or the organization which they represent and what kind of value system is dominant is going to make them Sort of want to present certain things now of course that they may try to get closer to facts but you'll notice that at that part where it comes to making a judgment of what is it that we're looking at here you know you just heard that something happened and now you start asking the why's how did it happen who's behind certain things the way that they do that that deductive thinking they can announce an event that like there's an explosion here and all those agencies say there's been rocket shelling in Gaza and blah, blah, blah. They'll, they'll report that part. The next part, the, the analysis now, like of what's going on? Why is it happening? Now that's open to interpretation quite a lot. You know, you can find people. And also, he also said that, you know, you have to take into account that when they go out there and they're asking people, for views and opinions and they're interviewing people you have to take into account that people also want to be perceived a certain way so right now if you go to the israelis and you give an interview and you go to the palestinians and you give an interview you're going to get two different perspectives there's no two ways to deal with it you know and uh and uh i guess i guess he had this because he was an english literature uh enthusiast so you know Mm -hmm interpretation to him was one of the most important, most subjective things where you have to make your argument heard. So he'd yeah. seen all of the different ways people interpret poems and interpret yeah. literature and Shakespeare. Yeah. Well, I've never CD.
0: seen, I've never met a historian or someone with a deep love of history who also didn't have a deep appreciation of literature.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, um,
2: and also uh, who wasn't who wasn't opinionated it's like um, yeah. there's a there's it, it's actually interesting you know um, having your own interpretation hmm. of a certain event right it's like you're watching all these different news outlets right but because of your training your literature training and you know with, with a lot of with a lot of, uh, of books you know for a lot... There's nuance, right? You you actually learn nuance uh, by reading and getting into and kind of understanding, you know, how how people work through Mm. people who write good literature, for example. So you want to exude that. You almost want to copy the great characters that you read about. So you hear something from the news, you know, the news might be right. You could accept everything. But, but but a lot of people that are especially people like people that are into digital, they don't want to do that, even if it sounds correct, even if the reporting sounds as legit as possible, and they're absorbing it clearly. There's always going to be that ah, yeah
0: yeah,
2: yeah. So that's interesting.
0: Take it interesting with a grain what, of salt because it's like yeah. with any with any story, right? You it becomes more and more difficult for a writer to um, surprise you the more you read, you know, the more well-read you are. And so it's like when a story or a narrative is presented to you in a story, you take it with a grain of salt because you know that like there could be a different perspective to this, especially with those, those great epic stories, you know, they always present a lot of the same uh events through different perspectives in order to give you that perspective of what's actually going on so when you hear about something you know you know because one thing I notice in particular about the uh media today is that like wow man some of these guys just have no like no like decorum dog, like they'll take a small story about one thing and blow it up and talk and go on a tangent, you know what I'm saying? So that they can present the story through the perspective that they hold. And it's like, when I was a kid, um, we did like uh, some sort of like news presentation thing for class. And one of the things that they stressed to us was like, to be a news anchor, you need to have a neutral expression. You need to be able to say the stuff with a neutral tone because you can't present it as though you have any opinion in the matter. You have to seem like you're objective and you're just stating the facts, you see. Yeah. And that has sort of been lost these days, you know? And so it's like, of course, a lot of people don't trust the news. It's it's very clear that these media outlets are in competition. They're here to present subjective perspectives. And it's like the same thing with that... Um, you know, with that show, there's a Netflix show about hybrids, uh, Sweet Tooth, I think it's called. And there was a lot of um, uproar over the fact that, uh, I think it was the New York Times, on the front page, They were like, there was this story about how hybrids are being born in the world. And it's like, the story is presented like a real story, but it's just marketing for this show. So people flipped out about that. And I think the reason is that, well... The news shouldn't be that purchasable. You can't. You shouldn't be able to buy the front page, because if a TV show can do it, why can't a corporation? You know, that's kind of the the basic principle.
2: From what I see, and and uh, Pilani, maybe you might correct me here, right? But I feel like they don't even care whether they're right or wrong. It's like. The, 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 the news outlets, the news reporters, they don't really have a lot of interest in integrity of the writing. I mean, I, I thought they did. I thought maybe, you know, when, when, the, when the news outlet takes out a story, right? Um, what was that crazy story a couple of years ago? Justice Mallet, right, from America, the dude that got beaten up in the streets by a bunch of racists. You know, they put bleach mm. on him. They, they tied him with a rope on his neck and whatever. Mm. And a lot of the reporting, well, from what I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the reporting almost reported like this is like something that actually happened Yeah. without kind of looking at, 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 at the possibilities
0: of it probably not. Without doing any actual journalism.
2: What about the due diligence that you'd expect from uh, uh, a lot of journalistic outlets? Hmm. And as you remember watching a, 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 a MSNBC and they were talking about this case. And they were talking like, this happened. This, yeah. this, this guy got beaten up in the street. They called him a, bleep Me Nelson. They called yeah. him a Empire Bitch. Or whatever. Yeah.
3: Like, <laughs>
2: Similar words, probably constructed yeah. differently, yeah. and you know, it, in their eyes, it it's it felt official, right? I do believe they 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 actually uh, sent a a retraction, yeah. but it wasn't really that mainstream. So you know, it's like, yeah, we 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 got it wrong, you know, probably put it in the back pages of something, right? They did it, so you can't really say they didn't. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll retract uh, kind of the in, the incorrect or, or biased report. But
0: I, it's, it's, it's that thing, you know, like they did that because it was such a, a too good to be true story. It fit within this narrative that they were pushing so hard that like, oh yes, you know, and this, at that time it was really the beginning of um, big media corporations getting behind this whole woke media idea you know what i'm saying that that was really the beginning stages
2: we're getting into the woke we're getting into the woke. oh let,
0: let's not get into the work let's
1: not get into the woke. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> well, yeah we can we can get into that later <laughs> but um yeah i know you know like uh you know historically speaking you know media agencies because of the cold war and all of that became captured propaganda outlets for some time then when the cold war ended everybody thought that oh yeah you know you know it's more or less uh, and then things sort of lessened down you know yeah. because at at that point in time yes we were globalizing but that was the 1990s so airplanes and the internet and people you know living and doing whatever it is that they want to do was not such an immediate reality flying by air to somewhere was still expensive so you know this perspective that the distant is very close to you wasn't as strong as it is today the reason COVID has been so devastating to people was because people had gotten used to the fact that yeah I can find some place some nice tourism place Mm. on social media through and through a Facebook ad not even suggested by my own search engine and I can actually go there and when I go there, I can have a good time posting social media, lots of cloud, and I'll be back home in like a week. And that was possible. It started to become possible for a lot of people, you know, even in SA in Africa. I have friends who I didn't think had any interest in leaving the country who were all of a sudden, Oh, we can Dubai. I'm like, damn, what's going on in Dubai? All of you going to Dubai, like y'all got money like that. Like, like Mm. (laughs) for real, for real, like, you know, and that just started to become a, that, that just started to become a reality that distant places are now much closer to us. Now, what happens to media agencies after being, after sort of everybody laying off of them and treating them as the truth, we used to use media agencies to tell us what to think about Mm. certain places. If you didn't see a BBC documentary or like BBC travel or Nat Geo saying that if you go to, you know, the Kalahari desert, you'll see this and this, you know, so um, tourism started being on our phones a lot of information, news websites. One, those news agencies had to, one, compete for revenues. Yeah. So now they yeah. have to enter this social media sphere where you and me are also sources of news. So we're walking into a situation where a lot of countries who are having issues with each other suddenly realize that your citizens are on this worldwide web, yeah. And yeah. I, in Russia can log on to Facebook, have a profile. No one is verifying if I am who I say I am, and, right? Yeah. And I'll be there and I'll say I'm a reputable journalist and I'll set up a dummy website that seems like a news site Now pretend I'm an analyst. And that's just the beginning of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people would walk on there and like, and say that I'm a researcher or a political analyst and I've studied Russia, US affairs for a long, long time. And so a lot of people just start following their social media pages, their LinkedIn pages, et cetera, et cetera. And what this contributed to is that you can listen to a researcher first now before you listen to a news website. Before in the 1990s, we would wait for the news agency to tell us that we went and we interviewed this researcher and this political analyst from Mm -hmm. such and such research institute. Now you can access that researcher (laughs) using your device. So you can bypass the news agency. So what's happening right now is that news agencies are competing, but they're finding that apart from getting advertising fees and et cetera, et cetera, a lot of them are now very, very susceptible to what? To state capture. And the main reason for this is that people still want to control what information is out there about their governments. People still want to control what kind of information is out there about politics, but we've also seen how disruptive disinformation
0: is. Okay, okay. hold on. Hold on, um, okay, no, finish your, your thought because I want to actually go into okay. some a specific thing that you're talking about, go ahead.
1: Okay. So disinformation starts creeping in, right? And because disinformation is creeping in, it's a funny back and forth process because disinformation is creeping in, everybody's now trying to look for verifiable news sources. Now, you and me as just the normal user don't have a template or a standard operating procedure for how we'll post what what you and me want to post. But news agencies do. So when people say, is this news true? They they end up going back where? To BBC. So now they've found a new role that we want to say we are the legitimate sources. We'll do the vetting of the news sources. But in so doing, we're now going back to the with theater where in the time that we had gone away, countries are now starting to have an interest in what those news agencies are reporting. And there's a lot of things that are very important thing here because world politics has become more more and more competitive as more places are making a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, what people think about your country is more of a currency than how much money you right. actually have.
0: I think this is a great place to, to segue into what I wanted to talk to, talk about. <clears throat> okay. So, um, ABO and I are actually working on a project right now where we are dissecting various elements of uh, the, the First and Second World War and what the basic impacts that they had on a lot of the concepts that we live with and humanity has lived with for a long time but in doing this work right there's something that I realized you know when Germany used propaganda the way it did after the second world war was over the world knew the power of propaganda like from that moment onward it was on one could also like basically say like a cold war was inevitable it was just a matter of time because this war of information had been sparked people saw that there was another way to fight because the germans were were, were doing it and doing it well you see and nobody was was doing it as well as they were and everybody was surprised like holy shit dog like the people over there are basically brainwashed you know what I'm saying so it's like people understood that okay there's a different way to fight battles you know now the thing is with a physical war you know how it's going to end you know destruction blood and death you know the usual but with the war of information how does that actually end no one really knows so at best it's a a a, something that can give you an advantage you know to to you know strike up uh fanatical kind of belief in the army whatever you need you know with regard to people's loyalties and what they think and believe right it's an advantage but it's an advantage to waging proper war but it's not something that can achieve a victory or so everybody thought and then I think around the mid-2000s to like 2010s, a lot of governments around the world started to realize that, holy shit, dog. Especially when the internet started to become available across the world, a lot of governments started to realize, holy shit, dog, my, the youth, my young generation, the next generation of workforce, they rap. You know what I'm saying? They wear baggy pants they're getting tattoos they started to see that there's a lot of western culture seeping into our society our culture is starting to be like a second like an afterthought and a lot of western culture a lot of our people identify with elements of western culture as being who they are you see what i'm saying so it's like yeah it was a, a big waking up for everyone, especially for, for China. They they saw that shit and they were like, holy shit. You know, I think at some point, I can't remember clearly, at some point they called the US out like, hey, you, you guys need to relax with your media that you're pumping into our fucking place. You know, and so it's like, that was it. That was the victory where it's like, no blood needs to be shed. They'll buy all your products. They'll speak the way that you do. They'll value your culture. You will rule the world because everyone will believe in you. You see what I'm saying? In your culture, your way of doing things—that was the victory for the war of information.
2: Maybe, maybe it's 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 somewhat of um, what's more expensive, right? Winning this informational war or fighting, you mm. know. Uh, I guess Because I the
0: information war makes money. If you're winning, you're making money yeah. under, under a sort and of like, like cap, pseudo-capitalistic wars,
2: way. Fiscal wars have historically lost money. Mm. Even the nations that win fiscal wars, you know, a lot of their countries have gone into some form of recession, and that recession actually opened the gates to whatever else horror is going to is gonna take over the country next. So I guess with the whole information sector and the way the world is right now, let me actually ask you both of you gentlemen this. Is this a better way of, uh, 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 how would you say, uh, uh, ordering the world using almost the, the information sector to, to, to fight wars, to to negotiate, to to kind of exist within a a, a frack of how would you say
0: sorry about that sorry about that uh please repeat what you're saying
2: do I have to ask that question again
0: yes oh, please
2: <laughs> I was asking you gentlemen is this is this how would you say a better outcome than whatever outcome was going to happen where information is being used to fight the wars uh, or to kind of uh, move the, the, the you know, uh, uh, move the, the global uh, uh, system and, you know, the global machine. Is this the better outcome compared to whatever was happening before with, uh, say, uh, 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 the world kind of, you know, being uh, separated by, you know, nationalism and, you know, uh, different cultures. Would you say this outcome suits the world better, right? Mm. What the Cold War has created, this information, uh, secondary world we've created, or Mm. does this open the gates to an even bigger evil than what would have occurred if we had to sort things out the old way?
0: Uh Pilani, you want to answer that?
1: <clears throat> I don't think that it's necessarily better. I think it's just a function of the time that we're sort of living. And one of the most uh, uh, important things to understand is that technological development and human progress, you know, mankind's progress was always, always going to push us in a certain direction. So as much as these wars are fought in information, you'll notice people are still migrating. Europe's borders were closed. Africans and a- and Africans, Asians and uh, Arabs were still getting into yes. into the continent. You see, so the thing is, people are moving, and you'll notice that there's a lot of nationalism coming back up. Whether you go to South Africa and you call it xenophobia, whether you go to Europe, and you actually call it, you know, right wing, and whether you go to the US, and you say it's Trumpism, it doesn't matter. What's what's happening is you've got people from different cultures, swarming into places they've never been, and yeah. culture shocks and culture clashes, and all of that coming to a head. And that yeah. ends up, that ends up feeding into the information complex, which we have right now who's who and what information do they want out there about certain things that are happening there and then people are, people are not going to stop moving. China is already persecuting Africans who were there during COVID. They had the worst time, but, yeah. but, but, but you will notice, you will notice that Africans are still going to China and Chinese are in, are ending up learning about African culture. Now there's, Chinese coming to African countries, they used to think we're just a war-torn place. And they found out, oh, if you go to South Africa, there's places like Santon. Oh, if don't, you go to Kenya, there's places like Nairobi. You don't ride right right. on lions. We do not. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But, but then um, there's a friend, a mutual friend of me and Nelson. She'll tell you that, oh, you know, but when you're in China, that's the dominant narrative. It's only when you leave China and you notice that, hey, you know, Black people are being treated differently out here. They're not being treated like some stupid Africans, you know. So you get to this point where you understand that Asian countries are taking a lot of information from the U.S. and from Black Americans. They do not get information from Africa. So Africa for them is still a dark continent. What did it take for Black Americans to make an impact there and the NBA to be something that's happening in China, which is a mostly Black-dominated sport, et cetera, et cetera? You see, a lot of the time we're looking at this information warfare only flowing in certain ways. But if you look at it, that's also what Africa needs right now. It also needs people pumping African narratives. So, So the greatest disadvantage right now is that Africans... in in all places, including South Africa and all these other countries that think they've got a huge voice, don't really have much of a media presence. Maybe, maybe one country which is starting to represent some form of an African presence, but that's primarily because they've got a huge diaspora population, which is uh, uh, both notorious and celebrated for what it is that they do in those countries but forming communities and it's nigerians they're everywhere people are starting to learn their culture and people are actually starting to listen to the things that they do and look to opportunities because the chances that you went to university with a nigerian or or you live right down the road from one of them if you're if you're an african living in a non-african country is very very high so a lot of people are starting to learn tidbits of not only Nigerian culture, actually small facets, Yoruba, Igbo, and all these things. Yeah. And, that's, and, and that is at the core of everything. The information exists for the cultures of a people. People want to assert their culture. They want it to be more important than other cultures. That's what U.S. values and democracy and human rights is, their culture. If you come yeah. into a lot of these African places, we don't have democracy because we just abandoned chiefs and kings not too long ago, <laughs> not too long ago. The UK hasn't fully shaken its its monarchy. So, you know, like those those, that's really what it is. It is both cultural warfare, it's narrative warfare, and that's exactly what's going to come. People yeah. will tell you that, oh, this country, we don't do gays and all of that, it's not But really, really, you know, like this whole whole homosexuality debate, it's about what, where, which direction is your culture going and is my culture hasn't reached that conclusion yet. And the information pumping those narratives is very important for them. China doesn't believe in a lot of things that a lot of other, other places in the West don't believe in. That's also yeah. what communism represented as, at, at a specific point in time because communism promoted atheism. So now you could ratchet up capitalism as a Christian enterprise. You see,
3: yeah.
1: things right now are separated, but you will notice, give, give it 10 years, everything to do with the Western values and the whole LGBTQ argument and women's rights, yeah. clear sides will get drawn. Clear sides will get yeah. drawn. At some no. point it's going to be a mashed thing, and people will be able to surmise that it's one thing and and there's yeah. and there's going to be two polar opposites, and it's going to be another cold war or another world war. But no. how how it comes well, is is, is the biggest mystery.
2: Yeah, before you jump in, just just on that quickly, quick, quick, quick story. So I was talking to you about. Some uh, a story that triggered me on Good Morning Britain, and I remembered there was a a, a non-binary lady mm. that was speaking there. And as I was explaining the story to you, I was actually using her gender pronouns.
3: Yeah. Right.
2: I remember four years ago, I told myself I'm never going to use the rubbish, I'm going to call you they. Like what? Who the hell do you think you are I'm calling you they? Right. Mm. And as I was the story to you. I kept saying, so then they said, uh, so my my how would you say? My conscious is 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 slowly getting into the idea of accepting this without me realizing. It's like a subconsciously coming into my mind, and that's probably yeah. because of the information uh, system. Well, like it knows that whether you agree for now or or not eventually will pump something in you so deeply that you will just i I don't want to say naturally but maybe maybe it is like a natural human absorption system you will become assimilated yeah to this thing that you thought you never would be
0: well if if i want if i were to answer your your initial question right yeah. about is this the best outcome i think that i think that with the kind of technological advancements that we make as humankind sometimes we forget that the point of this civilization is to figure out what the best outcome is we haven't reached it yet sometimes we we act not a lot of the times we act like we've reached it but this isn't it right and i think that with this whole culture war pushed by the war of propagandas you know i think that uh what it truly is is a sign you know it's a sign and proof that People like Pilani said people yearn to have their own cultures acknowledged but I also believe at the same time that people want to understand about one another people don't believe that they're that different from one another that the thoughts because you see I can look at you I've got 10 fingers 10 toes you've got 10 fingers 10 toes And I know that, you know, we're normal. And even if we didn't have 10 fingers and 10 toes, I would also know that you're normal, right? But it's like, I can't compare my thoughts to yours. So I, I don't know if my thoughts make me different, if they inherently alienate me, for example. So I feel like a lot of people yearn to understand other people, especially people that, they maybe initially see as different. You see what I'm saying? That's why people make judgment calls. That's why someone can look at you and just judge you off the cuff. And and they might be completely wrong, but like that judgment is them filling that space of understanding, right? It's them now saying, okay, I understand what you are. This is what you are. I put you in this space. So my point is, right, that people clearly want to share cultures. People clearly want this this common method. I mean, memes, you know what I'm saying? We're talking about uh, political propaganda using memes, you know, uh, voter manipulation using memes. You know what I'm saying? It's like people want this common way of of, of understanding each other. And once the people utilizing this propaganda, you know, realize that we can either make the, the selfish choice, or the choice that's best for everyone. And it's it's really a matter of people putting prides aside and coming together. And it's it's next to impossible because everyone who yeah. is in those positions of power, you know, especially if you if you didn't have anything and you had to work to get to that point, you feel some sense of entitlement. You know what I'm saying? Like, why should I? But and if you were spoiled and just had it handed to you, you won't value the power you have. And you will just be like, you know, uh, a piece of shit with power. So it really takes that realization that look, people want to share their cultures, maybe we need to come together and figure out what kind of cultures we can all agree upon what kind of moral sensibilities we can all agree upon. And then these will be the the things, the common information that we'll share amongst one another, you know,
2: you know, that's that's actually interesting because I would say, let's take a story like, uh, in the Olympics, right?
0: They
2: mm. just got the first trans female, uh, uh, uh weightlifter,
0: bodybuilder, yes. Mm.
2: What's that girl's name? I think her name is Laura.
1: Laura. I don't know, man. I
2: don't know, man. I just want to walk in this avenue. <laughs> I just wanted to get a little
0: actually, actually, I will uh, just so you know yeah. that Pilani is actually a, a bodybuilder himself. You know, he's actually competing in a few competitions. That's perfect.
2: Because Pilani can offer the. Because I, I think we're all going to agree on this. Yeah. Or oh, I hope we do. I <laughs> hope we do. So we've got this story, not to get too spicy,
3: Jasper. Yeah.
2: You know, this, what we're talking about right here connects to this, okay. to a certain degree, You have a cultural shift happening, right? Mm. And with this cultural shift, it does not seem like the majority. It, uh, funny enough, it reminds me of uh, France before the French Revolution, right? Mm. You have an opinion, you put it forward, right? And you, you allow people to vote on this opinion. Is this right? Is this wrong? You have the people that care about this. Okay, you guys say right or wrong? Okay, let's say it's 10%. Right? And who then agrees amongst the civilians? You've got the anti-people and you've got the people that want this to happen. That's 10%, 10%. Then the 80%, who agrees? that No one really cares. No one really cares. It's like, okay, you guys don't agree. You think this is unfair? Fuck it. We're going to do it anyway. You know, it's 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 kind of an interesting thing happening because I think if you have if you have a brain, and this is for women and for men, which are oddly enough two of the only original genders that exist in the
3: world. Yeah, it's
2: not to say that you can't grow up and socially decide to go another direction. Um,
0: Yeah, because look, look, yeah, just to touch on that whole thing. I don't, I don't care. Like I've said this multiple times, human consciousness is too broad for anyone to have the kind of ego to think that we've mapped it out to adequately define it. I understand that. Look, let's just, I think all that is necessary within this argument or conversation of genders is compromise, right? Mm. I think that people need to compromise and say biologically, there are two genders because the, these distinctions, for the purpose of biology, serve specific purposes. That's it. Okay. When you come to social situations, you can be, you know, be whatever you are, dog. Be whatever you are, and yeah. you know, people just need to accept whatever people say they are, because it's it's really uh, either that person is what okay. they say they are, either that person is what they say they are. Or they aren't you know what I'm saying which is like another situation psychological situation that's their situation to deal with you know ultimately it really doesn't affect you that much it's like someone being closeted uh, homosexual it's like what are you gonna do you know what I'm saying like you can't go there and, and force him to be like admit especially if he's saying I'm straight you're like okay just take it and go so my point is that when it comes to that stuff once upon a time, little boys didn't exist. Everyone was a girl until you were like 13 or 12. Then maybe you were called a, a man. You see what I'm saying? But until that age, whether you had a dick or a pussy, you were a girl.
2: To that point, let me go. Let me, I just want to hear what Pilani has to say about this. But before I say, but, but, but before Pilani, before you jump in. Let's, let, me, let me let me kind of offer devil's advocate to what you said.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, people can, can do what they want because it really doesn't affect you to a certain degree. Mm. There is an argument from the trans women to be accepted, right? Of and a lot of the exception that they want mm-hmm. is from straight people, mostly, right? Yeah. To a point where someone who isn't straight is within the same community as them. They yeah. call themselves the LGBTQI, you know, yeah. plus. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing though, here's how it affects us, let's say in the future.
3: Mm.
2: Okay, we accept the situation. All right, you a woman, you were a man, even though you were born opposite whatever gender that is. Yeah. Okay, now it's time for you to date. Yeah. Who are you dating?
0: Whoever I want,
2: the straight man. Yeah. No, I'm just saying hmm. who, who is a trans person dating the straight man. So to a certain degree, okay, it
0: does affect us. It does okay. affect us. Okay, you know. What? Okay, okay, okay. Let okay. me let me, you know what? Okay, before you before you jump in, I just want to throw a little wild card. <laughs> so I just let's, give, let's give let's give a to, talk to okay. I just want to throw a little wild in card in there, right? To, for All you guys right, to right. keep in mind, right? <laughs> I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The whole trans yes. situation is a situation of psychology. That's not me saying that there's anything wrong with these people. Actually, no, I think they're normal. And like normal people, there's conflicts that they need to resolve. And sometimes getting the surgery helps resolve that conflict. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they decide to stop transitioning because they don't have a problem with their bodies. My point is, that question of the the trans woman dating the straight man or wanting to be dated by the straight man i think that question dog requires someone to explain how the straight man can be attracted to a woman with a penis okay so like a a trans a trans woman but with a penis right but he's not attracted to men but he's attracted to men with boobs you see what and like Here's what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying men with boobs for the purpose of the description of like, I can see why you would think he's gay because this person has a penis, but he doesn't think he's gay. This is, so for me, I'm not a psychologist, but the point is we, as a society, we haven't delved deep enough to answer those kinds of questions. But the point that these, the fact that these people exist means that we need to, you see what I'm yeah. saying we need to okay. they aren't crazy they're just people okay. we just need okay. to figure out the the ins and outs yeah. of what's going on because I think we ignore it too much
1: fine on that note on that note let's 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 take another angle on it right okay that that things of this nature aren't entitling you except that now the miracles of modern science allow us to achieve a lot more of our reality. Yeah. Way back when, when you couldn't do some of these things, the biological reality would always hit you. Even if you felt like you were more like, so I would walk away from saying that there are two original genders. I would say that there was, there was two and then some because hermaphrodites and all Mm. of that mix, or, you know, like basically Basically, the, the whole aspect of that in the mother's womb, sometimes the genetic mix up doesn't arrive at a final, like at its proper final conclusion that distinctly male, right? Yeah. Guy gets born with inverted testes or, you know, like and, 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 and so on and so forth. So mm. there is a biological reality which poured into a lot of conflicts in society the way in which women who couldn't have children, sometimes people saying that, you know, she has a jaw chin. No wonder she can't have children. And they didn't understand that, hey, this is a hermaphrodite. And actually, she doesn't have a womb. She's got inverted testes, but she's got a working vagina and everything. And so those women would be demonized as barren, right? So actually, the whole trans movement and et cetera, et cetera, how it originally started was supposed to be an awareness campaign for everybody in between the two actual aspects. Mm. That's, that's, that is an angle that people don't want to talk about so much today, except, except when is now there, then we want to say, ah, but do we really interrogate what it means to be in her life, or are we privileging those people who managed to get? something that is very distinctly male or something very distinctly female and then walk away from it. So I think that there's this middle ground, which we're now having the opportunity to interrogate because we've got the science to ask those questions. Yeah, Take yeah. tests, and blah, blah, blah. But here is here is here's one thing that you will notice. We don't have an issue with people claiming to be trans or trying to use trans unless it comes to a hardcore issue of certain things needing to be done. There's some hard principles. When you want to have children, you need to have a frank conversation. Yeah, And even if you're saying, I've always identified as a woman, I'm a woman now, I've done everything necessary. If you have a guy and you've removed everything and you've uh, crafted a synthetic uh, vagina and blah, 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 you need to come up front that you don't have a womb otherwise if you meet a yeah. guy who's expecting to have a family biologically yeah. there's going to be a problem
0: uh, i so, actually had this conversation
1: Remember? So, so, so 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 you so so you will notice that it's when you get to these things i can like,
2: actually offer i can actually offer my take on the conversation
1: yeah. I think <laughs> all really right fun. okay just let me just <laughs> wrap it up real quick so yeah. you also so, notice course. that you also notice that social conflict put people in a situation where everybody is very concerned about women's sexual harassment and rape. Mm. Now, what that has done is it's also imposed something on how we use certain spaces, which, which we used to demarcate for men or women. Mm. If you say you have a male or female, but you're doing it so that you can separate. Now, if someone mm. has gone trans, and, or, 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 and, and and say you've got a transsexual, they haven't removed their penis, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they say they're using that penis sexually, which means they can do most and all of the functions that a normal man can, by the fact that they've got artificial boobs and hips and lips, and they've been taking estrogen, right? Mm. Blah, 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 blah. The real issue now becomes that, you know, like, as we're going into this bathroom space, the door asked us to be certain people, and we're being dishonest when we're in there. And what was originally supposed to be demarcated for certain people to be safe from other people yeah. is now not so safe. So people are trying to bring unisex bathrooms. But again, it brings That's, that whole yeah. thing of that. It, 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 it's complicated. So when it comes to the whole powerlifting and the whole sports thing, the only people who really have an argument to try and say, move me into a different gender is someone who's born like Caster, who's got... You know, a very confusing story where it's like, you know, like if you really put her with the guys, she'll suffer. And I know this because even in bodybuilding, like you get people, they're pushing their physiques to the extreme. And there were girls there who were doing bodybuilding, trying to catch up. This woman was already quite masculine in appearance, naturally. She still had to amp up on testosterone to try and keep up. She couldn't even keep up with me, and I was the guy who was not on steroids. And there was like three guys who were on steroids, openly, and the rest of us who were not. She was on testosterone in order to be in the women's professional league. She was not doing some of the stuff that I was doing naturally. So, which shows you that at your core, the original—if—if if you fall into a category where it's like you are definitely more male than you are female and you, mm. you, you qualify as strictly male. Mm. And then now you try and switch into another gender. Like for example, transsexuals and, and trans women, they have different barriers. Sometimes if you, if you already had low, low levels of testosterone, it's going to be easier. You won't have such a jutted out jaw, but if you're coming from a higher threshold of testosterone and blah, 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 and you now, you're trying to make the switch and say you are now 33 years old. Your jaw, your shoulders are gonna say everything that needs to be said and it's gonna set a different benchmark. And no matter how much estrogen you take, and sometimes for women too, if they rank on the highest levels of estrogen and they've got the widest hips, they will never be someone who's like Serena Williams. They 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 can't they can't downsize their hips to mm. being the size of Serena Williams. And there's Whoa. a reason why, and there's a reason why Serena Williams had a difficult birth because her body was was already a, a little bit uh, uh, swinging towards the more masculine side. She was distinctly female, but then she pushed her body to and to to those sort of extremes. Yeah. But you see, her womb was still able to carry a baby. But the reason she had pregnancy problems was because her hips were just like the, our size. Like it's like, can this carry a baby? So for this athlete who's competing as a woman, you see the baseline of that testosterone expectation is that they're taking estrogen and then they're going into a physical sport which requires waking up your testosterone i'm sorry like her sport as well, power is going the, to invoke every bit of testosterone that's left no i think matter. i think uh
0: like with um physical activity right i think it comes down more to the fact that women are are born with less uh muscle mass than men which means that regardless of how much she trains, she'll never have as many muscles to engage in the physical activity. That's why men and women are separated into into different classes whenever it comes to physical competition, but not when it comes to intellectual competition because there's nothing that makes us different enough to say that, oh, you know, there's any cognitive difference between men and women. But physically, no matter what, no matter what like you you look ultimately ronda rousey and me can compete she's hit the gym a lot more you see what i'm saying but i it's already unfair we can't compete because it's unfair because i've got more muscles to engage than she does so it's it's not fair no matter how much she trains she's still got less you know oh your battery your battery yeah yeah, I, diary, I, that's what I'm saying to the chat. We're, we're gonna have to con- continue this episode, Doug. We're gonna have to continue this
2: episode.
0: We
2: have to. Right? <laughs> I, think we I think we do. Let's continue, man. Of course, mm. You know, I've, 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 there's a lot of crazy stuff I want to ask. I wanted to get to the conspiracy, to the conspiracy theory. We, I, I feel like we've given enough real world, you know, uh, experience. You mm. know time to talk about the freaking government takeovers the freaking militias. you know what i mean the the, the political uh, you know, uh,
0: uh, let me ask you something let me ask you something let me ask you something bro is there to your knowledge any um african intelligence that utilizes witchcraft
1: Would anyone want anyone to know that?
2: <laughs> but what do you think?
1: I don't think that those fears are divorced from that reality. Have you guys watched um, that film with Idris Elba? Um, it's. Uh, I, I
2: think I know what you're talking about. When he when when he's like uh, uh, a warlord and he. It gets mm-hmm. a bunch of kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm forgetting yeah. the name. I the name too.
1: You'll notice in that movie that when those kids are being recruited, like right at the beginning, after their parents have been killed and you know the town has been ransacked and they're being given guns. Yeah. The first thing that Idris Elba's character does mm-hmm. is to do some sort of ritual, and they sing. And those are the things like. It's close to a thing of invoking ancestors, but also speaking to particular gods. Yeah. You'll also you'll also notice that people who are seen as um, as these terrorists or insurgents like Joseph Coney, they're described as out of this world and so on and so forth. So For those people to garner their sort of insurgency movements and to tie it to spirituality is already a signal that people's loyalty is guaranteed by belief in the supernatural. Mm. So it depends on where you go, really and how much those people have really subscribed to Christianity. I think that in Africa there's varying levels of at which people subscribe to Christianity. Yeah. Some some countries they're dipping in both of them. So that may exist, but it just depends on, you know, it's almost like asking how does how does how does each intelligence agency initiate its people? Those are secrets unknown to those yeah. who are not initi- who are not so, initiated. Sure. But rumors, so, rumors are rumors,
0: you know. Rumors uh, always exist amongst the community of peers, um, and I also find it interesting, like what you mentioned about how in Africa we have we people subscribe to varying degrees of Christianity, and I think that's most interesting because when I was living with my grandparents, like as a kid growing up, I grew up in a family where it's like my dad made it out the hood, but it wasn't really the hood. It was poverty. You know what I'm saying? And so my dad makes it out and I grew up middle-class in the big city. Right. And I really grew up in a bubble where it's like most of my time, I'm just spending my time with myself in my own world, reading my books, playing outside in my yard, just in my bubble, you know, and I would hate getting pulled out of my bubble over some bullshit. And I always saw like family gatherings as some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like eight years old, nine years old. Oh, we have to travel six, seven, eight hours. You know what I'm saying? To go see these people where there's not even like tar roads. You know what I'm saying? And you're just like, what the fuck? Like you just pulled out of your bubble of electricity and modernity and all of this shit. And so like, usually it's, it's a, once you know it's like a special occasion trip oh let's go visit the family it's Easter let's go visit the family it's Christmas it's New Year that kind of thing but it also happens when someone dies and it's time for a funeral right Yeah. and it's very interesting because I grew up Catholic and so it's very interesting when in your household your family certainly values church and uh, Christianity but when it comes to giving these these rites of the dead they employ very pagan or paganesque rituals you know what i'm saying to to honor and and venerate their dead and it's like one of those like it's almost surreal because you're like but these people are christian and when you grow up in a like catholic school catholic churches etc it's like you cannot worship false idols. Like you learn these things so, so closely, you know, growing up this way, being taught about the Bible, you learn these things so closely and inevitably things that you see and experience in your life, you will leverage against what you've learned in in church, you know? So I think it's very interesting putting it that
1: way. I think you've touched on something, which is very important, which actually answers, um, Along as a question, much more in much more sort of historical terms, and the key issue to sort of take note of here is that a lot of the time we look at these political issues and we look at a lot of these things and not like put it into context of what happens with religious institutions, and we look at um, Mm. um, witchcraft as if it's just. And, and act on its own as if those also don't have their religious institutions. Yeah. Um, you have to understand the work of the missionaries and the context under which it came into Africa, right? Mm-hmm. At first there was missionaries exploring the dark continent. Then at some point in time, missionaries were coming to explore in order to exploit resource and also to colonize and etc
3: etc
1: so the difference between the first missionaries who came long time ago the ones who had all the information to give to the ones who eventually come to colonize came in order to learn about otherworldly experiences and it's very interesting that you speak about the catholic institution because it's also one of the first and the catholic institution has had a very interesting approach to acknowledging the cultures of other people as they do their missionary work of recruiting them mm. so you'll find that in the catholic church they value that spirit of argument to a certain extent and allow certain things mm. it's like a semi-compromise like accept the power and you'll get some small things that you can continue to do that's why there's different styles of Catholic churches all over Africa. I think that in Southern Africa, they're much firmer in, in terms of their hold and belief system, but there's a lot of other places where Catholic churches practice quite a lot of rituals, which people are like, what's going on here, you know? Mm. And um, I think that this is a spectrum, which is not acknowledged because, you know, if you've done politics, people will tell you that how should States be governed as secular or, by the church and it comes from that whole thing of what is your constitution is our constitution the bible or is our constitution made by man you know Mm. so 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 a, a lot of the time we don't look at it in that big systems approach that when um the catholicism comes and 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 all the other christian faiths they had what was called the civilizing mission ideology They predicated a lot of things that were coming to civilize these people. But really what it meant was that we're coming to make them assimilate to our culture. So which means already the first institution that colonialism had to break down was the religious system, which really puts you at, at your base that you can't have any entity without some sort of faith that drives people some yeah. faith in some higher power that guides people into mm. a certain code of discipline. And so they would have never been able to enter Africa if they didn't attack all those components. And so mm. which which really means that when they come in there and they're trying to get people to follow their movement, what do they have to do to the existing traditions? They have to look for the weak spots, the things yeah. that people hate about having to subscribe to whatever religion it it is then Mm. they have to demonize it the very word witchcraft is such a thing because people were being persecuted for witch for witchcraft throughout the continent and what and what usually was the measurement in uganda or other places they would burn witches in west africa um, witches could get sold into slavery you know? And so there's all these stories about where did all these African religions and traditions go, and now they're underground. So when you ask, is witchcraft practiced in some of these circles, it's a very complicated story, and it really depends who's on top of what institution and what mm-hmm. what is it what is it exactly that they subscribe to. Because you can walk into an institution that's primarily Christian, that's fine, primarily Muslim, that's fine, primarily Jewish, that's fine. You know, like uh, the Ethiopian state is Orthodox Christianity and so on and so forth. But then you have these other places where the missionaries had a really, really hard time getting through, you know, and and they made a lot more compromises. And then you see them being allowed to do some of these other rituals on the side. It's also one of the reasons why a lot of people believe that the Vatican probably holds the most cultural artifacts of, many world cultures The catholic church definitely knows a lot more about other religions than anybody else so um as to what exists in the vatican it's an untold story the catholic church has these books that they don't allow many people to read all there so which tells you that you know some point it was a religious war you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we've just forgotten that because we've convinced ourselves that it's secularism but in Africa yeah, people are guided by their spirituality so Mm. if they say they're Christian and they really believe it then if they attain positions of power then they guide their selections according to who can be a be a part of that so yes I believe that the people in those institutions or those organizations can do such things if they feel that this is what it will take to hold people accountable to me, yeah, as a leader.
2: So it's it's like um, you have you have the the imperialism wanting to conquer, and you have the means of conquering the spiritual conquer. Mm. Take down everyone's spirit, right? Mm. Then you can have everything else that a person has. Mm. Or let's say you can you can get access uh, to, to to everything. So you would say the African, not issue, but the African um, uh, a dilemma is is more of a spiritual one.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. than
2: it is of a uh, I would say physical or or how mm. would you say that? Uh, 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 just just like a secular one, as you said.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, let's take an example which is closer to home. I mean, coincidentally he's gotten arrested today, but if you look at his tactics, they override secular logic. You know, Jacob Zuma seemed to be like somebody who's who just doesn't really care. But no, that's not Well
2: Jacob Zuma had 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 his own uh, witches or or, or what we'll call sangomas. Sangobas. You know what you I see?
1: mean? You see <laughs> the and it's and it's not really about whether he did or did not right Mm. it really it really is about the perception that he Mm. has that access and that it's possible exactly which invokes something in you Mm. as a follower so Mm. when they call Zuma you know he used to be a chief spy for ANC and then you start to realize He's friends with the king. The king is acknowledge him, him, and he derives a lot of spiritual significance and authority from that to be acknowledged by who someone who is the who is a representative of many clans and bloodlines, and then you have this guy who is a son of their soil governing the country. It was like a power unity. And then you yeah. see him there doing what every time Zuma is clowned, it's about oh he used to dance huh? and every and people laugh, but he knew that to his followers he was drawing them back to their spiritual thing. Yeah, yeah. war cries, walk. He he was singing war cries, the most spiritual form uh, in any African culture: the yeah. song, dance, and war yeah. cries. Mm-hmm. So when when everybody gets rallied into war and those. Yeah, I'm one What, what, whatever song it was invokes something that makes people have non-negotiables. It doesn't matter what you try and say, nice, nice to me, my culture and my bloodlines uh, non-negotiable I'm going mm. to kill you <laughs> I'm going to do <laughs> anything right you see so people have always been surprised how come Zuma keeps getting these people to vote him in and oh, it's because the people would be professional as much as they could but then when they're in the presence of people and the people who follow him and it's like a message that you know but where to and this whole vibe, you know, like this huge yeah. cloud that would follow him, and people saying that it's spiritually ordained. And if you say spiritually ordained, and then you argue with it, and then they say, Why do you think the king acknowledged it? Yeah. Why do you think yeah. that section within the whole Zulu clan was
0: acknowledging yeah. him?
1: All those elders. <laughs> and 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 it you see, so yeah. sometimes you you'll be thinking, are they practicing witchcraft? Whether they are or they're not. But the fact is, there's a certain access in terms of
2: a a spiritual aura
0: when you when you put it like that like um guys by the way yeah you
2: just have a movie is is a beast of no nation beast of no nation.
0: nation all right um i was saying when you put it that way right that um zuma was was engaging people on a level where they were saying, like, this is spiritually ordained. It's interesting because that touches upon something that is very relevant to humankind and human psychology, like the, the, the need to associate, um, because the way I've always looked at it was that the church needed to affiliate itself with the monarchy in order to survive. Right, in order to survive not being the one who calls the shots, but still having some um, invaluable importance to the nation. But in this situation, that's, you know, that spiritual element doesn't have some sort of institution that's being protected by Zuma's actions. Instead, it's more about what it's invoking in the people. You know, this idea that the person leading us is meant to lead us and it's it's the same thing that like was instilled with regard to almost every monarchy around the world where it's like the person leading us is here because of god you know there's an interesting aspect to, to human uh, psychology when you think about that uh, but what i wanted to actually touch upon was what you said maybe 15 minutes ago about how um, in order for the for the 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 christians to really um, infiltrate the African culture, or the African society, they had to basically dismantle the African culture. And it's like, a book that I I think of is, um, things fall apart. If you remember that book, Mm -hmm. you know, where one thing that was very interesting was that the protagonist of the story starts out very strong, you know, uh, stubborn in some cases, but very much giving the vibe of being unshakable. And it's interesting how as his traditions, his cultures start to unravel around him, he starts to become shaken. You know, he starts to become more vulnerable. And I just thought that, like, I just realized right now that that book does a great job of creating that atmosphere of over time, you can see how, the traditions themselves are being thinned out by Catholicism, and so the character himself is he's he's no longer as firm and strong as he was he's starting to fall apart as the as the title suggests and it's also interesting because I think of the Witcher books um you know the Witcher series is something that's very uh popular the the games the 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 t v show but in the novels, one thing I always found interesting was that every every so often Andrei Sobkovsky would create this atmosphere where it's like that pagan belief um that culture essentially of believing in fairies and pagan rituals and basically that kind of fantastical mindset giants and all of that it was all basically phased out the same way Christianity phased out African you know, traditions and cultures and our mythos. Um, and it was industrialization that did this for them. You know, the slow growing to become more industrialized, that phased them out of their old and cultural ways of thinking and believing for the most part.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, it 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 also boils down to the fact that, you know, a lot of the time we don't like to see some of these um spiritual aspects as inherently tied to politics that's why we try to separate it so much but if you realize it um there's there's two things you will notice one of one of those which i mentioned earlier is that at some point some countries were being governed by the bible as the bible being the constitution and the others uh being becoming secular which which was a constitution written by man Mm. and Basically, these were supposed to be the codes for how to live your life, you know, in terms of morality, it societal expectation getting set yeah. in that format. And a lot of people don't draw that parallel anymore because we have stopped asking the question of the church versus the state. But you will notice political leaders and religious leaders can sometimes almost be in, at par, except they try to avoid conflicting with each other. Yeah. In the Muslim world, still very much alive imams are very much important and um, the reason why that interaction is still happening is because of that now a second aspect is that all cultures especially from the religious point of view are the ones which taught states to be sovereign and to guard their sovereignty like you know like Mm -hmm. it's the most supreme thing it really that really is an extension of how the church used to run the state Um, and when the church used to run the state, yeah. oh, what, what exactly was the number one rule? It was when God said, thou shalt serve no god other God before me. Hmm. See? So yeah. inherently, it's not just God who is jealous. Any sort of religious setup is very, very jealous. And uh, there is no duplicating it. And so when they have to clash, one has to take over the other. Yeah. And so... A lot of people will have a problem with with like sort of hearing this um, because a lot of the time when you get told that this is the only real thing and especially in the way that Christianity is set up to make to people have this issue of not acknowledging other supernatural happenings and the fact that when you've made that choice, right, that I'm a Christian, right, doesn't invalidate the fact that those other things exist. It's not only just for the other people that they exist, but those things yeah. exist. So, uh, um, you know, when it comes to sort of understanding these issues, you know, it, it actually becomes easier for you to look at what's happening in a lot of places. Because when there's a clash of values, like everything we're experiencing right now, we tend to focus on the nitty gritty symptoms instead of looking at the base issues of what's happened where where is Christianity today where is everything else and absolutely nobody asks about African religions because the assumption is that what they were snuffed out
3: were, and, yeah.
1: and 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 we have this problem where we call those cultures witchcraft and uh, you know uh, whereas whereas I um, to say
2: that, that mm, they weren't just snuffed out. They also on our prejudice yeah they They, they were
0: demonized they They were demonized
2: demonized. because
0: the thing about christianity that's interesting is that like you see when you've got an open mind right and you say okay maybe ghosts are real maybe aliens are real maybe all of this shit is real right i don't have evidence for or against um that that belief you kind of think about all of these things and think about how little you actually know about it right and it can be very tempting to write things off because sometimes when you think about these things like the concept of aliens right the stories that you've been told the stories that you've heard imply that like four walls and a roof and an alarm system don't mean shit to an alien why aren't we all collectively you know panicking you know and it's like if they're real that's a terrifying concept so it can be very tempting to just be like okay they're not real fuck it they're, that's the easiest way um and most people do this particularly atheists of course but it's interesting how christian and what you uh, christianity and what you said earlier about how catholicism is more willing to compromise with other cultures etc they like i i distinctly remember that like catholicism growing up kind of fostered my inquisitive mind because I kind of grew up in a a church where my my uh, priest this very old white man you know what I'm saying was someone you could genuinely go up and ask like serious questions like existential questions at like grade four grade five you know what I'm saying so like I always had that I could go to confession. I actually enjoyed going to confession because I would not only talk about what I did, but then I would explore why I did it. I would explore abstract emotions and and urges. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I only realized it when you said it, that like in that institution, in other places, just talking about this stuff is like taboo. But in that church, I could speak to the priest and go into it, you know, so it's interesting how that kind of sphere, as a Christian, if you're someone who believes in God, the Bible acknowledges demons, it acknowledges uh, magic, it has certain chapters that could be construed to acknowledge aliens, you see what I'm saying? And so now as a Christian, by accepting God, you have to consider the possibility of the reality of all these things that you could be currently vulnerable to. But of course, you have the faith to protect you.
1: Yeah I mean, look, it's, 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 it's one of those most um, most relevant questions. And I think a lot of the time um, a lot of the time we also just focus on that, but let's also focus on um, not only the origin of things like atheism, because atheism r- rallies against everything, whether it's Christianity or anything else. Like if you serve any kind of God, then it's like it's wrong to atheism. So, you know, and um, it's very, very interesting if both of you have noticed atheism went up on a rise when communism came, right? Communism came and communism was the reason that colonialism also started to fall apart, in a lot of places right yeah mm. communist states were backing africans to and uh, and and uh, asians and south americans to get their independence from colonial yeah. authority and so on and so forth we have our countries essays you know all had liberation movements you hear that all of these leaders training in russia and china now the key thing to notice here is that communism wanted to install atheism And that was in order to make the state godlike. You know, the welfare of the state was the status symbol of godliness, where man becomes God, right? Mm. Effectively speaking. Uh, Or the ways and, you know, the fortitude of mankind become godlike, right? Mm. Now, here's something that you didn't realize. We've been complaining about woke culture and all these other things and what, what, what. All those questions didn't exist at the temperature they exist until communism had started to exist. Even when communism was done and what, 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 that was the heydays of the 80s and the 90s. And and those are supposed to be the hard rock and roll eras. And atheism was seeping in, seeping in. and And that was when the secularist state became important. Now we all subscribe to this idea of a secular state where you don't read the Bible over, uh, you know, over swearing in a president or whatever, you know, and it becomes a very touchy issue. But you'll notice that with atheism seeping into a lot of places, atheism came with communism. Liberalism is closely tied to communism and therefore closely tied to atheism. That's why if you subscribe to a very leftist and liberal ideology, you're more likely to identify with communism and socialism high level lots of talk about equality and in order for you to talk about equality you are already disbanding the idea of an all-knowing authority that you cannot oppose or have Mm -hmm. an alternative view to which means ungodlike so you have become unservant like right so now so, so now as we are here in this world today having some of these arguments about human rights the very concept of human rights and uh, all of these constructs whether it's whether it's about sexuality and even whether it's about race you know is something which is which is very deeply ingrained into what secularism represents atheism represents and thereby a lot of people don't track the spiritual basis of a lot of things they confront they just treat things as if it's you know it's just this formal block this mm-hmm. is the logical explanation but if you interrogate that the people who crafted some of these things what was their spiritual lean? Yeah. people don't understand that that they're following leninism and all these other things you yeah. know and-
0: well I-, I wanted to ask like a, a child who was born in an impoverished communist town, right? Does that child grow up to be a liberal?
1: Not always. Not always. On one hand, it also depends because um, you see the way that uh,
0: the reason I ask states... the reason I ask is because I've always had this idea that like that whole liberal. A lot of the liberal ideals feel very idealistic and feel like such ideas could only come from a place of, I've already got money to spare. You know what I'm saying? I've got the comfort to think about these things. So I think that's why I I, I associated with, I guess I associated with democracy because I associate capitalism with
2: democracy. Can I just kind of say something? Uh, before Pilani goes, goes in here. You know, um, that's actually an a interesting question. You know, I wouldn't really say because a lot of, let's say, historically uh, tenacious ideology has stemmed from poverty and recession mm. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the welfare state falling apart in certain countries and certain places.
3: Mm. For
2: example, Fascism, nationalism in Germany came from, you know, German, Italy, suffering, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: So I, I, I think ideology, yes, sometimes it does tend to come from those who have conquered life, I guess, mm. and have room to add some other ideals to life to make it even more ideal. Yeah. But I do think sometimes it comes from a place of fear. Because
0: of, course, of course, of course.
2: You know what I mean? It's easy to talk to someone uh, about a new idea who is living through a current type terrible terrible idea.
0: What a terrible idea, exactly. But like, I wasn't necessarily saying like a a a complete ideology, you know. But Uh to have liberal ideas, just like in general, you know what I'm saying, like a bit idealistic, idealistic, but not necessarily have a complete. You know, like, oh, I'm a socialist. Like, no, you just have liberal ideas. And it's like, I just wanted to know that a place where communism is native, a place where you are born that, and in all likelihood, you're not born wealthy. wealthy, Do these liberal ideas, these ideas of, you know, these idealistic ideas of how humans should be treated in general, how we should live, do those just spring to you uh, organically, you know? Or okay. is that something that happens for people who have the comfort? You know what I'm saying—the the, the the room to say, oh, everybody should be comfortable like I am. Well, you
1: see, what governs mm. this this like whole question which you're asking mm. is really the pendulum of opportunity. I call it a pendulum because in each and every Uh, set up whether it's communism capitalism liberalism conservatism Mm. each of them swing through some sort of discontent at some point in time
3: yeah
1: and um, if you're living in a communist setup when you're being rallied to pursue communism it's because in it's it's because inequality is the discontent and that's why communism and capitalism eat at at each other and then it becomes an entire spectrum in between you know it's like mid lefties and you know like you know like center center right and yeah and, and all this moderation it's like a pendulum so when when it comes to communism communism always moves back when capitalism achieves its full extent then people start wanting to be equal communism is attractive for that poorest guy when he has rich people to catch up to, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then, then after some time, capitalism starts to appeal when everybody's now more or less close to the next level and very, very few people have that huge inequality gap, right?
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: And then when people just get frustrated with being at the same line because human nature is to compete. It's to be diverse. We don't want to be like each other. We attract each other by being different from each other in (laughs) any way, you know? So when that aspect of human competition gets rallied up again and people want to distinguish and they're being told that they can strive for many more things. So that kid who's born up into the communist setup, it depends at which stage of consolidating communism that particular setup is if it's close to its bubble bursting where it's like everyone's normal he'll be born into the frustrations of the poverty of everybody being poor and then it's like you know i wish i could just use my muscle to win according to what my muscle can get me he wants to be physical he wants to be rewarded according to what he gives and those who do less get less and those who do more get more He started to have the ideals of capitalism because the bubble is about to burst. Same with capitalism. Its bubble also bursts. When everybody's competed, the big gunjas are going to win, you know, like, and they're going to win big and they're going to be ruthless about it. And then eventually everybody starts angling for communism to come back. So what's happening right now with all of these liberal ideas? Some of these liberal ideas pushing some of this, uh, 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 people don't realize that it's starting to mimic some communist talk and yeah. they are mimicking the way that revolutionary armies used to you know talk about oppression suppression etc etc which means the capitalism bubble is the one that's been bursting all all of this time so I think that yeah with all these liberal ideas they will be key for this generation next two or three generations but then eventually it's going to start not working because why? Because everybody's getting given the same thing, but human nature means everybody wants to be above everybody. So every, yeah. every criticism against feminism that oh feminism is not about equality. It's about superiority. Oh, feminism is a lie. Oh, this, these are these liberals. They pretend they want equality, but they want dominance and mm. Oh, they all want to kill men. People look at it as an egotistical, paranoid fear. But actually, at some stage, if you give all these revolutionaries that equality which they want, they won't be satisfied with it. Because Mm. just like people before them, that hunger Mm. to be different from one another Mm. and to dominate by virtue of their difference, which ordains them. Your difference ordains you because you're unique. royal blood sorry sorry let me just finish royal this this whole construct of royal blood and royal lineage is based on the fact that you're claiming uniqueness you're claiming to be separate from the pack and therefore you rule (laughs) your your bloodline rules It's, 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 it's the same thing so no matter what happens people who are parenting liberal ideas right now and equality they say this now, and maybe they will live up to that life during their generation until they die. Mm. But their descendants, who they've taught these values, may not subscribe to that when the time to eat comes. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's people's turn to eat. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so, a so, basically,
2: so basically, you can change the, the, the social constructs of life, mm. but the, hi- the genetic hierarchical you know, uh, a codex. You know that 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 generic yeah. thing we have to always rise to the top of the hierarchy yeah. will already exist. So no matter how much we try to kind of stabilize yeah. the pyramid,
0: you there know, will always you know, be a pyramid,
2: right? Like you know. It that's very interesting. That's very interesting.
0: And the thing is, a lot of people might paint it out to be like, oh, there are some egotistical people, or you you suddenly develop ego and want to be above everyone else. But the thing about that is that in people inherently, the same way we have a natural inclination toward hierarchy, right? Like we don't need someone to give us a blueprint of it to know how to yeah. set it up within our own social circles. But in the same way that 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 is a thing, we also seek to create hierarchies. It doesn't necessarily mean we, we seek to be at the top. You might be happy doing what you're doing, but you wish someone more competent was above you. You see what I'm saying? That that also occurs. That sometimes you're just competent. You're born with the natural inclination to be good at what you do, and everyone around yeah. you wants you to lead. You see what I'm saying?
3: Yeah.
0: They just feel yeah. more comfortable that way.
2: So it's like it's like um, it's like the way to judge humans is 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 the first thing we naturally do is judge humans by their competence. Mm. So when you when you use kind of liberal fairness, I guess, like say uh, a a participation award, right? Right. You get rewarded because you're simply here. It's unnatural for the human Mm. to judge anything by that standard. It's like, okay, we have to get to a place where we're all equal. Something about the human is always never gonna trust, is never gonna trust the um, how would you say the 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 least competent person?
0: Yeah.
2: Even if they want to, even if even if you say, listen, we want a transsexual, gay, crippled, black, whatever, everything, whatever, of all of them, president one day. Our natural instincts of all those weakness, all those weaknesses existing in one person, will never ensure that we naturally get to that place, and everything will become forceful, which looks a lot more like socialism and kind of communism.
0: Like we might have a situation where people get deluded enough into putting uh, someone who is less than capable in for the sake of uh, representing equality or or, uh, tolerance or acceptance, right? Um, And it's interesting how when we were growing up, the phrase was tolerance, and now it's acceptance. but my question huh. is that, don't you think with all of this, uh, these bubble burstings with regard to the ideologies, when I look at the way people are, I also see a sort of like a romanticization of the monarchies of old, you know, you look at Game of Thrones and what, what, you know, we, we romanticize it a little bit, even if we showcase the brutalities of being in the middle ages how likely is it that we could go back to a monarchy, that a bubble bursting will be marked by a king forcefully taking the, his rightful place on the throne once again and people will be happy with it?
1: <sighs>
2: you know what? In all honesty, I feel like we are creating versions of that Mm. all the corporations that are existing nowadays Mm. Uh, I wouldn't call it exactly that I don't think anything ever looks exactly like what it is Mm. like I remember someone talking about the war that happened in Egypt Uh, 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 there was a a civil war in Egypt not too long ago and uh, I remember a reporter talking about like I was there there wasn't really a physical war, there wasn't even a lot of you know, casualties and fighting and this, but mm. the war was still happening. I feel like these things are going to happen, but because of, you know, how different the war is, they're going to exist in other capacities.
3: Mm. You
2: know, when I look at the giant companies, like right, the Oligarchs, the, the Amazons, and, the, you know, the bloody, the big boys, mm. you know, I, I kind of, there's a guy, we're talking about leftist people, there's a leftist guy that hates billionaires, hates this, hates that, but talks about getting all these stuff at Amazon. You know, I, I want things delivered this, that. So it's like you hate this, mm. uh, how would you say this globalization, mm. and yet you're participating in it. You you're almost a victim of it, or let's say you are you are a perpetrator in this rise.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, so I think these things won't happen uh, as clearly. As, as, as say a Game of Thrones yeah. where there's a clear woman with a dragon coming to conquer another land. Yeah, You know what I mean? It well, might be something along the lines of a corporate takeover
0: a corporate coming takeover, to yeah.
2: take over America. Because,
0: uh, the, uh, sorry, I just wanted to say what you're saying is something I've actually noticed with regard to you saying that he has a passionate disdain for uh Amazon and yet he always buys from them etc etc and it's like I feel like a lot of people are like that they want to feel strongly about something but never strongly enough to to feel the burden of responsibility to making sure that it is seen through and it's like it's almost as though cancel culture is like a a a placation for this like oh let's get him canceled we did something you know
2: yeah, it's like uh, it's like a Jordan Peterson once said, if you're so worried about your global footprint, kill yourself. If you care that deeply about it, right? Because mm. you know, if, if all the people that care about a, a, a population, you know, want to get rid of it, you know.